Thank you for joining us for this episode of Journey Now, produced by Journey Church in Brentwood, Tennessee. For more information on Journey Church and our gatherings, visit journeytn.com. Hey, welcome to another Journey Now podcast. It's great to have you join us. This is how you open a podcast. Yes, it is. And we are going to ask an interesting question first of Susie and then of our friend Mike. The first is, why do you like the pink and yellow Starbucks? Uh, what are those called? Starbucks. Starbursts. Starbursts. Because you only Star-Lord. pick the pink ones and the yellow ones. And I only eat them this time of year when they're widely available. Ah, what is it? What what flavor is pink? Isn't it like strawberry? And strawberry and banana. I'm a tropical girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Do you like banana candies? I like banana starburst. I okay. don't really like I thought they candy. were lemon. Okay, yeah. I don't really like candy. I like chocolate, like milk chocolate, plain. Okay. Um, you know who you know who but, are people that don't eat a lot of supplements? Yeah, people who eat bananas. Yeah, I eat wow. a lot of bananas. I like bananas. I eat bananas every day. But banana candy, I think, is mm-hmm. the it's the dregs of the candy. Listen, I'm here for the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Wow. Okay. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. No, I yeah. think you're. But great. I don't ever buy candy. Like I would yeah. never buy a thing of Starburst or Skittles. Chocolate. Or... You'd buy chocolate. I Sour... try not to buy chocolate. But Sour Patch Kids. I, I have been known to hide chocolate yep. in certain places in my home. Oh. Mm. Ooh, where? Totally. Yeah. I guess no one's. Hey, no one you. in your family's listening to this. <laughs> true. It's only true. true. These the are one facts. listener. <laughs> we have dear <laughs> listener. These are will big not facts. Tell us. Okay, no, you're fine. I had like four people tell me last week that they're the one, the one listener. listener. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. I think there's five. Uh, there's five. Dear right, so where is it? <laughs> I'm not telling you. Why not? Because. Because maybe he'll he'll tell Judah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Judah's not going to eat your candy. Judah might eat my candy. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. All right. And then I'd feel guilty that I hid it from him, and it's just exactly. A thing. So yes. no, just so let why don't me, we just confess? Let me that. have my own thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're letting it's you. one thing. That's right. As as the lid boys now are running through their house, going, "It's got to be here somewhere." They're not <laughs> listening to this podcast. They don't yeah. know. Yeah. But you know why I hide the good chocolate? Is it not because hollow they'll book? eat any chocolate? This is the thing. They'll eat like yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll settle for any chocolate. Yeah. Like, they'll eat Hershey. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. So is the good chocolate like Girodelli? Is that the good chocolate for you? Oh. No. Nope. Okay. Let's hear it. Okay. What's the good chocolate? Well, the best chocolate. There was a deep sigh. Yeah. I know because you bring out these like ridiculous parts of my yeah. personality. Yeah. On this I'm not sure we bring yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, they're just sort of right there. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we have to dig. Yeah. You know, deep. Okay. No, we haven't. No. It's most yeah. of the day. Yeah. Wow. Keep going. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So. And I still think this is lemon. Cadbury's dairy milk. <gasps> oh, wow. But the caveat is if it comes from England. Like it has to be the kind that they make in England, oh, wow. which okay. they used to sell in like British import shops here. Yeah. But there was like an actual thing where Cadbury made the decision to no longer import their chocolates from Europe because Hershey makes it, I think, here. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or Nestle. One Nestle. of the two. Nestle makes it here. So they don't. And it's it tastes different. So there are a few people in my life who know me so well that when they <laughs> travel to Europe... <laughs> They bring me back Cadbury's dairy milk. 
and I don't share it. Is it Gosh. in a? Is <laughs> it, I feel like I'm supposed to write this down. Is it, yeah. yeah. Is it no. in a bar? Is it in a bar? It's a bar. It's okay. a, and like it's, it's so like cheap. It's so literally that, like the cheap chocolate in England. So but it I love it. So it cannot fit in a hollowed out book. So that that eliminates <laughs> now that we have kind of a size yeah. to yeah. work with. Touché. Now when yeah. I don't have nice. plastic bags in the toilet tank. There it is. No. Okay. No. When I don't have people smuggling chocolate across the border for yeah. me, yeah, I might do like a Trader Joe's like sea salt and oh. caramel situation. Oh. oh, oh, those are nice. Thanks. Mm. We're learning a lot. Yes. Yeah. But is that yeah. a secondary you know? choice if the other's not available, or if the other's available, will you make that choice even if the other's available? No. If the dairy milk is available, okay, that's, it's like that's okay. like for the win. Yeah. yeah. How much of the bar disappears at a time? Is are we oh, talking a no. third? We're not even going to go <laughs> there. I'm not here to confess my sins. That is way too vulnerable. Okay. No. Okay, we'll Moving move on. on. We'll move on Moving to the next question. On. Way okay. too personal, well, Mike Erie. I'm, I'm, Come on. Yeah. I, um, I'm trying to understand Mike's relationship with McDonald's. So, well, yeah, this, let's talk this, about that. Let's, let, <laughs> oh, it's awesome. So in the morning, <laughs> when I rise, when I rise. Give, give me give Jesus. Me, yeah. Yes. Uh, and in the morning. Give me a McGriddle. Yes. So so I love, oh. I've never had a McGriddle. Yeah. I, I absolutely love. That'll stop your the, heart. A McDonald's breakfast that consists of sausage McMuffin with egg yeah. with no muffin. Yeah. So it's really not a McMuffin. It's just, no. It's just there's a, no carbs. An egg. It's just an egg, sausage, and cheese. Yeah. And wrapped together uh. in butter. <laughs> and and I get I don't. How do they coffee. wrap it in butter? Well, it's just butter. metaphysically. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's. It's it sort of held together. Well, just eat. No, just no. Eat. They get, they they put it in a little carton for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it's not a sandwich. Yeah. Um. But this is 300 calories according to McDonald's calorie counter, and it's 50 something grams of protein, and no carbs, and it makes me happy in the mornings. If I if I have to get something on the way, otherwise mm-hmm. sometimes it's peanut butter and toast. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. is glorious. Yeah. I mean, what to kind be of honest. toast? Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of bread? Well, um, I prefer my bread, wheat bread, but sometimes some very nice white bread makes it in. Mm-hmm. And I don't discriminate. If you cover anything in peanut butter, it's... That's, yeah, I think we just asked the wrong question about bread. <laughs> yeah. What kind it's of peanut more, butter? What it's kind more of a peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so it's uh, Skippy Natural. And because um, I'm, because you feel better natural. about it, because you're natural. natural. Yeah. yeah, it's natural. Yeah. Ooh, it's, it's healthier. It's natural. Guys, it's natural peanut yeah, yeah, butter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. if God didn't want, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, He wouldn't have made it naturally. Yeah. So good. It's so when when elephants step on peanuts, there's yeah. butter that's yeah. produced, yeah. and hey, they oh. collect that in Africa and mail that, yeah. that over. Yeah, that's so, and that. So I hide that. Yeah. But in seriously, what's bags. the difference between the Skippy Natural and the regular? Is there like no the name so, soybean oil or <laughs> the name? Because they're, it, they're they, they can't say organic or they can't the, say healthy because it's not organic. Does it have the oil anything. settle on the top? Do you have yes. To stir it. When yes. You open it. Yes. And then that you sounds like the name the of somebody's pool boy. I don't. I don't me. stick it in the fridge. I like to. I like it. I like it. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. Well, maybe. Hmm. But I mean, I, I'm kind of the last person you should go to for dietary <laughs> advice. I mean, just you know what I what I'm actually my big my big announcement. Also, big facts. My, my also, yeah. Here we go. My also. So, how many pieces of toast are we talking about? Two pieces of toast. Oh, two, two pieces okay. of toast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the big decision is usually between creamy and crunchy. Yeah, that, that's oh, what I'm yeah. saying. That, that's yeah, the yeah. big decision. Because yeah. I mean, it depends. There are days when I'm like, oh, I'm really hungry. So you yeah. have both in the house. 
yeah. at all times? Both available. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if if I'm in a season of like eating bread, so there's sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to go carb free for yeah. a while. But if I'm in a carb season, mm-hmm. then yeah, two pieces, peanut butter toast. Now, now here's my perfect day. All right. This is, this is today how it's going to go down. So we had the we had the sausage muffin with egg with no muffin. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, no muffin. So that's breakfast. I have a Quest protein bar. Yep. That nice. will be lunch. Everybody, skip ahead about ten minutes. At and four o'clock. <laughs> at four o'clock. Yeah. I will have two. So I will, I will exercise this afternoon. At four o'clock, we'll have two pieces of peanut butter toast Ugh. and two diet Pepsi's, and then that leads me into two hours of uh, study for Greek class. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, that's, and then, you know, something extraordinarily healthy yeah. for dinner. This all sounds so good. I think this should go in a book. Yeah. Does the diet Pepsi serve as caffeine to like wake you up and yes. keep you alert? Yes. Yep. 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 It doesn't have aspartame. So it's, it's, we, we had this conversation it, yesterday. I love <laughs> saying aspartame. It has saccharin. We, we call it, we call it <laughs> diet Pepsi Natural. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so nice. True. Yep. There it is. So so anyway, all if you're at home, dear listener, you know, you definitely want to listen to Tim Ends or Susie. Kevin mm. eats like crap and is skinny. <laughs> I mean, yesterday he's munching on Reese's pe- peanut butter cups for breakfast yeah. and a Diet Pepsi uh, with Twizzlers. I, and, uh, yeah, you eat no. I, yeah. I wasn't eating I had some Twizzlers yesterday. Shocker. I know. Um, Did you have the little ones though that came in the Halloween? Don't candy? like those as I know, well. You they have, don't taste the same. You have a. He's a thing. purist. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's, got a he's a purist. <laughs> he likes Twizzlers natural. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was yep. gonna say. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I still think Skippy Natural sounds like uh, pool it's boy. Only, it's like it's three, a pool boy. It's three ingredients. It's like Skippy peanut butter, peanut butter. <laughs> salt, nitrates, and uh, yeah, and then some sort of great preservative. Yeah. Do you like almond salt? butter? No, if God wanted almonds to be butter, yeah, <laughs> he would have made them. Okay. Yes. What, what would he have done? <laughs> well, he would have made almond trees in Africa where elephants could step That's, on them. Mm. There it is. See, yeah. elephants. Elephants are actually the best people to follow for dietary advice. They love peanuts. They don't love almonds. There's a reason for that, mm. right? Please, back. Un- please enunciate. Be. Must be so. Uh, seven speaking trumpets. Of speaking yeah. of, of seven yeah, yeah. trumpets that spit out seven peanuts. It's, oh. And stepped on them. <laughs> yes. Wow. So we're in the. Uh, so that yeah. So I mean, you guys are complaining. I don't reveal anything. Uh, there it is. How about that? There it is. A whole day of food. How about transparency? <laughs> Boing. Yeah. Yes. Swish. Swish. <laughs> you want vulnerability? There it is. Yes. Yes. And what's so great? Yeah, what man. Is so I wasn't great. willing to share where I had my chocolate. That's too vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. So Tim, Tim, how was Halloween last night? Nope. We're moving on. Oh, it's we're 10 moving minutes on. In. Okay. Yeah, it's 11 <laughs> All right. All right. Dear listener, I just want to be very impatient right now. I was now. trying to, yeah, the, the listener's like, I don't care about uh, yeah. Tim and his Halloween. It's he had true. his hot gloves on. I'll just say that. Yeah. Oh, hot gloves. That's, were you for Michael the, Jackson? <laughs> for the fire. Nope. Nope. I just, Hillary got me fire gloves oh. um, for Father's Day a few years ago. And Is I, this a thing between you and Hillary? Um, I'm not sure we should ask that this question. Is, talk about vulnerable. <laughs> Um, no, they're just to touch uh, fire. <laughs> touch. So, anywho, I, I yeah. can touch. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. There's nowhere to go on this. Yeah. Natural. <laughs> Hot things. Hot things. Okay. 
a solo stove, no, if you will. Let's <laughs> let's move on. I'm hot. Anybody else hot? It's 62 degrees in here, and I'm sweating. Okay, so the fire. Yeah. The fires of the lake of fire. Speaking of, speaking of. Dealing with the the beast. Where's Edwin? Safe for the whole family. Safe for the whole family. Thanks, Tim, for Jerry. I will share more. I'm just going to text to cut. Yeah. I'm I'm texting my wife right now. Honey, give me some hot gloves. Hot gloves. Oh, there was one word, one word I'm not saying that would be oh, so good. Oh, oh, there's a lot of words yeah. I'm not saying oh. that would be really funny. Way so the witness. seven seals, yes, seven yes. trumpets, yes, seven bowls, seven bowls, yes, yes. All, all, yes, just all oh. point to. Oh. <laughs> all right, all well, right, deep breath. Mm-hmm. Do not edit this. Please yeah. do not edit this. Hey everybody, welcome this to the Journey the Now best. podcast. This is the most interesting podcast. We should have just done. started right here. Yeah, yeah start the hot gloves. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, Grant. I love that Hillary bought them love for you. you. Oh, that's, that oh, just makes yeah. it so good. And he was like walking around, going like, "Hey, I got my I got my hot gloves on. Don't worry about yes. it." <laughs> With timber, I was holding timber. Sure you were. Uh, and putting the hot timber this, in the fire. In yes. this highly oh. flammable red yep. jacket. He yep. Yep. <laughs> Every year. Uh, well, we are in a okay. series on Revelation, which we're all going to burn now. Yep. Um, mm. Oh, that's funny. I've not seen Kevin that red <laughs> with tears. That, that was worth the price of admission. Yes. Oh. Yes. Dear listener. Mm. He was, yes. Yes. Yeah. It was funny. That was funny. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tim. More than you know. Yeah. So, so we probably got some questions <laughs> yeah, about we, the teaching. Questions. We Let's did. Go. Yep. Go ahead and go ahead and well, fire up your phone. Well, there. I kind of know what they are. I was, okay. was in them like knee deep yesterday, neck deep, and uh, and a lot of uh, interesting questions revolve around this idea that what you presented on Sunday was this idea that um, what is being talked about in the opening of the tr- the seals and the trumpets and the is the judgment of actually of Rome. And why it is a corrupt nation and mm-hmm. and these different things. And so people are wondering, is this a pattern in which God just did during biblical times? Or is this an ongoing pattern that we mm. can identify mm. in the world today? Or even in our not so distant past? Just right. the state of humanity. Yeah. Like if we, if we look at the history of man, can we see other... And, and woman. Thank you. Mankind. Humans. Maybe even women first. Humans, yes. Womankind. Yeah. Humans. Is this a, is this the way that God deals with nations Mm -hmm. in a reoccurring theme throughout women history? Yeah. So the idea was that uh, Revelation opens up this pretty like huge vista from chapter six through chapter 16. And at the center of that vista are three cycles of seven judgments. And um, and those judgments or those cycles are interrupted by different visions and so on, so on, so on. But um, the question is, at least I've always been taught, those judgments are in the future 
And they're kind of a chronological and linear sequence. And the argument we were making from the text was, no, uh, these actually are three snapshots of the same event called the Day of the Lord. And the Day of the Lord was something that had two reference points. There's a reference point in the future where God will ultimately and finally defeat evil. But there are also occasions in the middle of human history where God is um, dealing uh, with unjust nations and liberating his people and demonstrating his authority. And that there are examples, there are three in the Old Testament of nations that were brought down when confronted by the day of the Lord. Um, Egypt was one, uh, Babylon was another, and Israel, ironically, was uh, another. And so is it is is it possible that that pattern can continue? Of course. Yeah. But we don't have authority to name it to name as it, right? such. Yeah, that's because, an important point. Because only, mm-hmm. only, you know, when God is saying, listen, this is what I'm doing, mm-hmm. only when he's doing that do we have authority. So, so whenever somebody claims to speak for God and is like, hey, this judgment... Uh, this tornado or this earthquake or this terrorist activity is the result of such and such sin. There's just no basis for, for you to say that because under the old covenant, God would tell you, hey, I'm about to discipline you, Israel, and here's how. Mm-hmm. Here's this nation that's coming. Mm-hmm. Here's a swarm of locusts that are appearing, yeah. right? I mean, you would know that the, under the new covenant, um, we don't operate in the same way. And God doesn't deal with nations in the same way because now, instead of God dealing with one individual ethnic group as defined by a geopolitical entity called a nation, now this transnational, transethnic movement called the church deals and is formed of people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. So God has changed the way he deals with, quote, nations because of uh, the way in which the church is formed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so is the church in and of itself now the nation? Um it well, if you a, a nation, if you will. Well, I would ha- I would I wouldn't use the word only because the nation <laughs> state is defined by the threat of violence, right? And by boundaries. Mm. Whereas the kingdom of God obviously mm. renounces Love all that. violence and is formed by baptism. And so, um, so I would say the church is a political entity for sure. We have a king, and we practice a politic, right? Um, but we're not a nation. I wouldn't use the word nation just because of the connotation it would have. Okay, so two quick follow up questions on that that are reoccurring is okay when God exercises His judgment on a nation like that. Let's just say Rome, or He says mm-hmm. there's two two questions that go with that, or let's say Egypt, let's say whatever Babylon. Is it because of their, this is, this was, I, I think I got three of these. Is it because of their immoral uh, behavior that he, i.e. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I got it. Keep going. Um, that yeah. he judges them. Yeah. That's the first question. Yeah. This, the, the second question would be, what about the good people that get caught up? in said judgment yeah mm. so there's both of those kind of play off against you i think people are willing to say sodom and gomorrah yeah okay there was a lot of bad things going on and they were judged and god did his thing um but a lot of people would say well in, even in egypt or when babylon got over there was probably some good people that got yeah. caught up in the destruction of absolutely of babylon or yeah. even israel when yeah. israel was and when jerusalem and was so those are course. those i think those are the things that people okay. are trying to so, wrestle with yeah so so first question 
was why God the motive behind God's oh, okay. yeah. judgment is it the immorality no nope. really asking the question nope. about morality nope if it, if it was immoral none of us I mean we'd all be toast the issue was he was opposing the arrogance of the nations that exalted themselves to the place of God over God's people right so um and and that was the that was the irony. Susie Susie just pulled back. cringed. What was the cringe for? Oh, I that, don't know. Sounds familiar. <laughs> and so 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 with with um, Egypt, of course, Pharaoh claimed divine prerogative over Israel. So did Babylon. You see this particularly in the Book of Daniel. And then um, the the great irony, of course, was that Israel became the oppressor. So that arrogance manifested itself in immorality but it was primarily manifested in economic injustice and that's what was so harshly judged okay so it's so it's it's not just oh there's a bunch of wicked people down there um and i'm going to take that nation out as a result right it's no no no. it's 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 and and we'll study this in a couple of weeks when we talk about what babylon is mm-hmm. so babylon comes the the same Hebrew word that we translate Babel, the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. That's Babylon. That's the same word we just translated that one time differently. So Babylon becomes the archetype for any congruent um, participation by humans at a kind of a um, a deeply collaborative and united level to overthrow right god's authority over us and establish authority for ourselves right that's what the tower of babel was right so that same impulse the babylon impulse let's call it manifests itself in israel manifested itself in in babylon when it became an empire yep. um in israel in egypt and still manifests itself mm-hmm. today so god opposes it on an individual scale right james will say things mm-hmm. like um you know to the to um i will oppose the proud God, but God gives grace to the humble. But at a national scale, God opposes that same sort of conglomeration of human arrogance into some sort of structure that claims divine prerogatives for itself. And I don't mean that it claims to be God or something. I mean that it claims to be the architect of human destiny and the controller of fortunes throughout the earth. That's where Rome gets caught. Um, yep. Because um, as we'll, as Revelation unpacks the sins of Rome... The, the economics of Rome were unjust, the idolatry of Rome, including deification of Rome, the city itself and its emperors, all of that was um, uh, was happening in a way that that provoked God's wrath, particularly as it affected the um, the innocent. So back to the second part of the question. Right. Yep. Of course there are innocent people who die, and those are the people in Revelation that are marked as safe, from the day of the Lord, when we meet them in um, Revelation, with the the first series or second series, I don't remember which. I think it's the first series, the seals. After the sixth seal, there's a question about who can stand when God judges. And then we see 144,000 people who have been sealed. And then we know that that 144,000 is symbolic because then John sees a great multitude from every tongue and tribe and nation. So the idea is that those who are the innocent victims of empire and God's judgment of empire are specially marked. Like, you know, when we on Facebook, someone will say, hey, I'm marked safe, yeah. right, from this forest fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's that same idea that somehow mm-hmm. they're marked safe from the, the judgment that comes. And in Revelation's logic, they will be vindicated at the end of the age 
as those who are righteous. So yes, mm -hmm. their suffering is real. They are part of the carnage of empire um, and God's judgment of empire. Yeah. Um, and, and yet there's this picture of them being sort of kind of kept safe um, standing next to like a lightning rod or in the cleft of a rock or something. It's like that kind of image where there's, there's judgment happening, but they're marked mm -hmm. so that ultimately they're vindicated and rewarded for um, the fe their fidelity in the midst of such suffering. And there's mm -hmm. always been martyrs, though, throughout the, throughout oh, the centuries. Yeah. Martyrdom, martyrdom mar looks a lot different. But that's the innocent, too, mm -hmm. um, getting caught up in, in the wrath of humans, the, the wrath of yeah. uh, just the fallenness of, of man. Could God, you know, the, the question then kind of just slips to the front is why doesn't God protect them? Why doesn't God, you know, keep? Well, he does sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes he doesn't. Then, and, yeah. and how do we know, you know, that's the, I think this is what people are really struggling with when they hear this version of, well, what if, what if the United States is one of those nations that gets judged? Well, now that I, I'm not, I'm not saying, but that's what I think where they're absolutely yeah. no, no, right. that's but, where right. they're prompted. Well, but I people think that were asking if this is what happened with Nazi Germany, like, and, can and we... it's possible, yeah. sure. Um, yes. So, right. There, there are two. There are a couple of different ways. So, so what the revel, what the what John the Revealer is doing is he is encountering a group of Christians in Rome, and he's saying to them. How God has judged arrogant nations in the past right. is how he is going to judge Rome. So I know you're in the minority. Mm. I know that you are being, you're just starting to be persecuted. Mm. I know that you're surrounded by the arrogance of the empire and its military and economic might. Here's this heavenly perspective of Jesus mm. on the throne with the only one who has authority to open the scroll. And then the, the pictures that kind of unravel from the scroll are all pictures of exile, flood, and um, yeah. plagues that that we've seen God do before, and so so part of part of God's judgment on nations is that the nations themselves carry within them the seeds of their own destruction, right? That 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 any tower built high enough and with enough injustice and evil will fall upon itself, mm -hmm. um, and that's how God. That's what sin is too. Sin. In Hebrew, it's interesting. The words for sin always the consequences always contain the sin. So, so if someone is destroyed, they've been turned over to destruction. And so, whatever it was that they were doing is actually the the consequence for the sin itself. I think God judges nations, you know, similarly. So, on the one hand, you can look at modern geopolitical entities and see the judgment of, you know, the world wars and so on and so on and so on. Uh, but on the other, we're not in a, a, a place to call that a divine judgment yet. Right. Um, because we just don't have biblical authority mm -hmm. uh, to do so. And, and we've not given, we've not been given warrant that God still deals with nations that way. Rather, he instead deals with a church, which is, as we've said, transnational. Yeah. And the, and the danger that people fall into when they talk about Nazi Germany or they talk about um, situations is is that God raises up his nation, his people to defeat that nation. Hmm. Um, so then we would have to put like Syria or yeah. or other 
It would pit us against each other. It would. Right. But even even when Rome is ultimately destroyed or when um when Bab- Babylon is yep. destroyed, it's with a it's not by the Israelites. Oh. It's not by God's people. It's by another That's right. He allows the Persians yeah. to come in and crush them. Yep. And Israel's never given permission. Right. Now now the promised land is its own problem. So we'll talk about the conquest of that mm-hmm. someday. Yeah. Yeah, that is its own problem. But here's the other, here's then, here's the piece that, that uh, I've, another question that comes from all of this conversation is, so if you're saying, if you're saying that a lot of, if the revel, if the revealer is saying that what he's seeing is the darkening of the skies and the earthquakes and the peal of thunders, no, <laughs> what is it? Roll yeah. of thunder. No, matter. it's the peal of thunder. And the, and the flash, flash of lightning. Of lightning. And he's describing in in these biblical terms these things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what what differentiates those kind that kind of imagery that he talks about there from the plagues that landed on Egypt? Because um, if if this is imagery over here, mm-hmm. did those really happen, or were those just imagery? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a reoccurring question I'm getting online. And, and going back and forth. Do you understand the question? Um, I think. Okay. Were they real things? Yeah, was the plagues, were the 10 plagues that went and happened to, and is there, somebody actually asked me, is there extra biblical records of what happened to Egypt during that time? Right, mm-hmm. there's not. There isn't. Is so interesting. There is mm-hmm. nothing. Israel, I, it, it, Egypt has no record of Hebrew slaves. So, so like very liberal scholars will make a yeah. lot of hay, you know, yeah. from that yeah. fact. Yes. So, but yeah, so so if the question is, were the plagues real? Well, I, my, my answer to that is, well, how did Jesus see them? I want to see the world the way Jesus sees the world. Mm-hmm. And Jesus saw the world as if, as if the Exodus were a real thing that mm-hmm. happened. How do we know this? Because of how he refers to it, how he talks about it, and then how he frames his own death mm-hmm. and resurrection in exactly those Passover terms. So I think in the national story of Israel, absolutely that happened. Now, I also think that imagery of, of God's past actions, real actions in history, can be used to describe events that are going to take place, mm-hmm. but we don't know exactly how those events are going to happen. So when we say, hey, there's going to be a new exodus, right? This is the promise of Isaiah. We, the, the, even though the writer is using cosmic language, we understand that the cosmic language is describing the significance of the event, not the how of the event. Mm, right. And so, um, and this is very often the case when Jesus will talk about, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem. Like he will say, um, he will use cosmic signs and indicators. And when you see an army, you know, camping around, and there was a literal army that was camping around, but then he'll slip into cosmic language. And you just realize that this was the way they talked and utilized. So if I said, you know, if I wanted to say something was a really big deal, right? What are, what are pieces of language that I could use to say that? You know, what would you got? What, so if I said, Hey, this is really important guys. What, what are colloquial ways I could make that point? <laughs> okay. This is super important. Yeah. Okay. That, thank These are you. big facts. <laughs> okay. So well, no like question, like you doing, you do, I, I, it, it's, a phrase that I still don't quite get that we use mm-hmm. right now is Mike, you're killing it. You're, there you go. You yeah. are great. Thank yeah. you. You are thank you, Kevin. Killing totally. it. I don't know what it is, and but yeah. you're killing it. Yes. 
Yeah, that's no, that's great. That word will make no sense to somebody. Yeah, 2,000 years later, someone what is Mike finds killing? an email yeah. that says, dude, you know, you were killing it. And you're like, <laughs> okay. I mean, that that's exactly yeah. what's happening with that language. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it, 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 the, it, even though it's symbolic, it has a real world reference. Right. But what you can't do is take the symbolic language literally to describe how the judgment will be executed rather than taking the language as understanding how significant it is that judgment will be executed. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so I think that's what's going on um, with a lot of the language of Revelation. I thought one of the most powerful parts of the of the lesson on Sunday or the teaching was when you when you talked about like how you would read this if you were in a different scenario, you mm. know? Like we often are reading Revelation in our context in like a wealthy, comfortable kind of a place, right. you know? Not, not, not the and we're cutie. looking at like the weirdness of it, what's going to happen to us, like like all of that kind of stuff and, you know, looking to the future for our security. Whereas somebody from a more persecuted culture oh my would have a completely different reading of We're it. We're almost offended you know? that God is going to yeah. judge. I mean, like if you're somebody who's oppressed or held <laughs> captive or... Or, totally. you know, in, in a place where you have no freedom and, and you are treated like an other or like a slave, whether you're here in, in like the African-American community um, in some places or if you're in Iran right now, you know, like or or I mean, it, you mentioned women, you know, like if you've been in any kind of scenario or part of a group that's been oppressed, you would you would read that through a completely different framework. Yeah, that was powerful. Well, that's part of the book you gave mm-hmm. me, right? That mm-hmm. I'm halfway through, written by an African American scholar, mm-hmm. um, and that's his that's his argument. Our social yeah. standing so often defines how it is that we internalize texts, mm-hmm. and and Revelation is a threatening text, and as it should be to those who benefit from the status quo, mm-hmm. and I do, and we do, yeah. and so we read it, and it's unsettling, and it's odd. But historically, um, marginalized communities read Revelation as a manifesto of hope, hope. and yep. faithful resistance. That's right. And well, so, and they see worship as resistance. Oh, I mean, the goodness, African American yes. community is the perfect example of that because the whole African American church in America was was started by people who were coming out of slavery, and their worship was a form of resistance that they mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. practiced together. Yeah. yeah, you know, as opposed to just like you know. Yeah, here's some here's some, here's some great songs that make Jesus us feel songs. really yeah. good, which yeah. is good and important too, but different. Yes, very much. And so, one of the great gifts that Susie brings up to our table is as she's studying the history of the Christian movement of theology, you just get this perspective that you can't get any other way that American forms mm-hmm. of 21st century Christianity are not the point and are not the center of God's work in the world. And that is such great relief because we're all concerned about the church dying and the church under threat or whatever language we use. And you just realize that's not happening globally. Globally, the church is exploding. Mm -hmm. And in all the places that confound the arrogance of the American church, in spite of all of our wealth and all of our literacy and all of our intelligence and seminaries and books, right? In spite of all of that, the simple movement of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit is doing such incredible work across the world that we're just... 
that 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 people are sending missionaries here 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 yeah which is which is and so so the natural question that we all have about is america a, a babylon well the answer is yes of course mm-hmm. it you can't we're there is an empire oh, yes for sure. the issue is how does it display babylon because that's not to say it doesn't do good too i think america does mm-hmm. good yeah. in the world as well but i think we have to ask why don't people experience america as a positive force in the world and um and and to what degree do i as a beneficiary of the status quo participate in systems that are anti-christ right and what those can be economic those can be military those can be um, consumeristic or political or whatever but but revelation opens me up to the possibility that i i need to be thinking about sin not just in an individual scale but in a collective like where is the tower of babel you know today where where <laughs> where have where have we all united and said yes yeah. this is how great our name is going to be I know that's, and that can be a cheesy way to ask the question. Well, can you give an example of that or a few examples of that? Well, I just look to what I trust. So, so if things turn bad, whatever bad looks like, Mm -hmm. what what do I trust? I trust the American military that we have the best weaponry and that we're totally technologically sophisticated. True. I, I trust tech. I trust the unfiltered, unhindered pursuit of technological advance because it'll help us in medicine right? We're, we're, we're going to be able to cure diseases. We're going to be able to live longer, right? The promise of progress, right? There is a story we as Americans tell about America that um, I think the Bible would call some of those parts into question. And my participation in, you know, I can, um, I can wait for technology to do things because we're going to, you know, we've mastered the genome and we can clone things and I mean, can't, can't wait for cancer to be taken care of or whatever it is. But I find that's where my heart is drawn and where security is found, right? Beneath, if it got really bad, well, we just know we could mop up any other military in the world. Great. Um, that, that way of thinking forms us in a certain way. Mm-hmm. At least it does for me. Mm-hmm. And sure. that's, that's what has to be resisted there's, secu- is that there's security if, in that yes the market is another yeah. great example how's right. the market doing yeah right is the market spooked is the market flourishing is it well, whose tax policies are best how's my retirement right and who pers- all of who personified that. the market how did the when did the market oh, become yeah. a person yeah is that interesting because we we talk about it as if it has emotions and it has <laughs> a will yeah and it has somehow somewhere along the line becomes something in an, like its own entity. Yeah. No, it's, that's absolutely true. Crazy. So, so how I treat retirement or savings would be an example of participation in empire. So I could be wealthy and have an incredibly biblical view of money, and I could be wealthy and have a very antichrist view of money. I could be poor and have a great view of money. I could be poor have an antichrist view of money. Mm. So what Revelation's going to call out are the systems that we all call normal. Mm-hmm. And then how it is that we wake up to, oh, well, maybe normal has this great cost over here that I'd never considered. And, and that's you know part of what's happening racially in our country, right? Is that mm-hmm. I never knew. I was talking to, um, we had this beautiful couple uh, of, of, of a member of our church 
Um, and and the, the so so our friend, his father uh, and mother were here, and then the father's father was involved in the civil rights movement, and he was just sharing like how much hate he's had to overcome in his heart, and mm. I mean stuff I was like, yeah, blown away by. And I, I just said to him, like, I, I, I just never knew how differently the African-American experience mm -hmm. of America was, mm -hmm. right? So is that a bad thing that I know that now or is that a good thing? For me, it's a good thing mm -hmm. because now I'm aware of something. I've woken up to something, hence the word woke, which, you know, has now become this pejorative thing. But, but I've woken up to an, a system of oppression and injustice that I'm now in in uh, and as a disciple of Jesus, I'm now um, required <clears throat> because of my commitments to Jesus and the church to examine all of the assumptions and all of the ways of living and talking and thinking that have fed into that, even though I wasn't aware of it. So Revelation is designed to provoke that sort of excavation in us. That's really good. And sometimes we just don't see it because it's there are yeah, it's we, normal no one calls it out in us it's it's the water we swim in mm -hmm. it's the world um the world view of americans not necessarily you know that's one of the things that is kind of i'm like we we Susie and i went to a conference <laughs> i was wondering lunch, if you were gonna bring that up <laughs> a lunch last week and and they uh, and it was oh. it was fascinating it was healthy it was good that we went mm -hmm. and it was listening to it from the other perspective it was listening to what you're describing from a different perspective of we have to be afraid of these things we have to be afraid of um blm and marxism and um any kind of transgender issues in the culture those are things we need to uh protect from and reject and because they're uh, they've done the research it's bad and yet, in my mind, I'm thinking, what, what what does that have to do with the church and the gospel that actually makes sense? Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how that makes sense, because if the church really is to be a place where everyone is welcome, um, it erodes away the whole idea of a power structure. It erodes away, because you can ask the simple question, who's not welcome at my table? And you begin to recognize your bias. You begin to recognize your um, buying into the power structure. You're beginning to recognize how much you may diminish women or you may diminish the marginalized. Or And in the day that all this was written, back when the Bible was written, it would have been, I don't want a slave at my table. I don't, I don't want women at my table. I don't want the diseased around me. I don't want the lowly. And so that's a lot of what the letters were written about is stop doing this. Stop stop segregating yourselves and stop seeing yourself as power over or better than and it's hard it's it you start asking yourself those questions and you begin to realize how you leveraged a lot of that to get to where you are yeah unknowingly unknowingly mm -hmm. yeah but see the 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 point that has to be made is that this isn't a political statement this is discipleship to Jesus. Right. And, and what, what isn't a political statement? The conversation we're having about race right. or gender or whatever. Right. So, so people will say, well, there, there they go. You yeah. know, that, that church is just a woke community concerned about justice. And, and the people who what? throw that word, 
throw those words around, are just not familiar enough with the New Testament texts that require the most important manifestation of a church, of the church, of the gospel, is a church that expresses new humanity. And the new humanity is a, a group of people that don't that don't all agree, but they pursue shalom together. Mm -hmm. And the shalom making and keeping of the New Testament community is what's called justice. That's just part of it. So we have 59 one another statements that are all justice statements. Be compassionate, except for the kissing ones. I think four times we're told to kiss one another. Um, and, and, you know, there are gloves for that. Now, the thing that we want to focus on is that you've got bear one another's sins. You've got be compassionate, bear one another's burdens. All of these one another's assume the continual fragmenting of shalom mm. and the need to reestablish it in a communal level, right? Which, so, so, I mean, this isn't woke. This isn't politics. This is the fundamental work. And if you look at the early early issues of the first century church, yeah. they were ethnic issues. This group of widows yep. wasn't getting fed because they were of a different ethnicity than that mm. group of widows. What do we call that? Right? That's not a theological issue. That's not a doctrinal issue. That is an ethnic issue. What about all the Gentiles coming in? Do they have to turn to Jews? They have to turn into to becoming Jewish and, and adopting an ethnicity and religious practice, right? That's an ethnic issue, right? When Paul separates, uh, when he sees mm. Peter separate himself, yeah. when other Jews come uh, in table fellowship and he stops eating with Gentiles, that's an ethnic issue. So these are not things that all of a sudden in 21st century America, we're like, oh yeah, well, let's get on the woke wagon. Right. This, from the very first, <laughs> yeah. First, and then if you want more, read the freaking Torah. Read the first five books of Moses and tell me how many of those commands have to do with you personally and how many of those commands have to do with the community and it displaying justice in the community. Mm -hmm. And if you want more, read the prophets. And what you'll notice in the prophets is they don't say darn freaking squat about your individual moral sins, but they will condemn Israel over and over for its injustice. So to have somehow politicized this topic and made it something different than what it just means to be God's people is one of the one of the most asinine ways we've received and understood the Bible in modern America. And it totally makes sense if your country was founded on owning slaves and exploiting them. Because we've created a gospel that simply says, listen, it doesn't matter how you treat people, it matters what you think about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So of course, years later, and I'm still going, don't don't even yeah, take a breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Years later, we all we are all like, oh, well, how did we get to the place where we just have turned this into a ticket to heaven and it doesn't matter how you actually live? Well, that's the reason. We, have, we wrote a slave Bible. You can find this online where we excised all the parts about yep. liberation um, and the exodus and jubilee and justice and kept all the stuff about slaves obey your masters. Mm -hmm. Right? That's our inheritance. Mm -hmm. And, and to sit and somehow think that the church isn't to collectively lament and repent about that, man, that is, that is so far away from the heart of the scriptures that it's just, it's just sad. And so, so we are going to keep pursuing this topic because the Bible does, and it's where Jesus yeah. is. Yeah. And so I'm just done. I am done with the simple, oversimplified lack of nuance take that says that somehow 
this whole justice thing is a modern reaction to what's happening in culture. That's just so much BS. And if you don't believe me, just read the text. Read the text. That's the problem. No one reads the text. And so the text couldn't be clearer with, with that view. I mean, yes, people are reading the text, but I know a lot of people are reading the text. I don't the think text. they are. I don't think you I don't I do not think you can sincerely sit down with the minor prophets and come away thinking God doesn't care about justice issues. I don't know how you read the gospels. I don't either. And yeah. not think that Jesus has no opinion on how it is that people were, were treated. Now, I, I know I'm oversimplifying the other view because they're great people. Um, but I'm trying to just swat away this persistent nibbling of any talk of justice around the pejorative, using the pejorative woke. Yeah. Like we have to be afraid of wokeism and whatever else. And you're just like, what a great way to avoid the command to mm -hmm. love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Just what a great way to mm -hmm. avoid that command. Mm -hmm. Right? And yeah. to not really have to live in its communal mm -hmm. exemplification. Yeah. So anyway, all that is to say, um, I think what Revelation is stirring up in us is exactly, exactly this point. That we're not just individual sinners uh, guilty before God. Our, the collection of us in larger units is examined and held to account too. There That's it all is. I have to say about that. Okay. We can cut the hell out of that too. <laughs> I don't think we should. So Tim, <laughs> back to hot gloves. <laughs> no, yeah. Hot takes. No, it's it's good. It's it's good. I have so many, so many more questions. Yeah, but, and well, we'll get to them next week. Uh, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Susie. Um, a lot of laughing. A lot of, a lot of lot going on there. Yeah, I'm going to go have some more Starburst. Yeah, and those are lemon, not banana. Have a great day. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the Journey Now podcast, please take a moment to leave a rating or review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.